All right. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Awesome. This is a full house for all the social distancing that we've been doing. This feels really full. This is great. Uh, excited that you are all here with us this morning. We are continuing this series that we've called Elementary. Um, this is week three, and if you've, if you've missed any of this, the whole heart behind this series, we're, we're hitting four weeks. We've picked four topics that we've hand-selected as things that we believe to be elementary teachings of the Christian faith, things that are essential, but we handpicked these four specifically for the time that we're in. We believe that these are important teachings that we should come back to and revisit and make sure that we have a, a firm understanding of them, especially as we deal with the world as it is now. So uh, that's where we're at this morning. Um, we get to talk about the Holy Spirit, which, yeah, it's going to be good. All right, Paul. <laughs> um, it's going to be good. It's going to be pretty hard because that's obviously a very, very big topic to cover in one morning, but we're going to try to do it. Um, if you missed the last couple of weeks, I really encourage you to go online and check those out. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about justice and, and what that means for, from the heart of God. And then last week, we talked about the Shema, which is a fancy Hebrew word for hear, listen, or obey. Um, so those are really, really good. They're, they're online. You can go check those out. But the Holy Spirit we get to talk about today. So why are we talking about the Holy Spirit today? Why is this one of the four that we picked? Well, because the Holy Spirit is one of the, I mean, if you, if you look at the Godhead, if you look at the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is largely neglected. He really is. Christians, we, we neglect him unintentionally many of the times. We forget about him. He's kind of the, 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 the person in the Godhead that is easiest to to not even think about because he is so, I mean, it's harder to wrap our minds around him, right? The father, we kind of make that, he kind of makes sense because he's, he's God uh, the, from the general sense, God the father. When we think about God generally, typically, it makes sense to, to attribute most of those things to the father. Jesus makes sense because he's, he's the person of God that came down as a human being, what walked among us and he did ministry. And we have stories about how he lived and moved, but the Holy Spirit's a little bit different. So several, several years ago, uh, one of my, one of the spiritual leaders that I look to, up to the most, Francis Chan, he wrote a book called Forgotten God. And I remember reading this probably about 10 years ago, and uh, it changed my life. It changed the way that I saw God. It changed the way that I experienced him. But even since then, I think, um, I think it deserves another read from, from me. And if, if it's something you want to check out and look more into, if you want to look more into the Holy Spirit, this is a great, great resource. But in this book, he, he mentions this and, and comes with this argument that, yeah, we've forgotten about the Holy Spirit. And more often than not, you know, some of you may be thinking, like, well, I don't, think, I don't forget about him. I know the Holy Spirit's around. But sometimes we just give him lip service. Really. Sometimes we just throw him in there because we know he's a part of the Trinity. Um, but we don't really lean into the things that are unique to the Holy Spirit. But this has dire consequences for the Christian and for the church. If we forget who the Holy Spirit is, if we forget how to interact with him, if we, if we forget the work that he does, this can be really, really bad for us and for the church at large. Because the Holy Spirit is the most important key to living the Christian life. You know that? It's not us. It's not about our obedience. That's not the most important part. The most important part is living in the Spirit. Being led by the Holy Spirit. He is, he is the most important key. So more than anything, my hope is that by the end of this message, uh, you feel like you have a better understanding of who he is and how he works and what does it mean to lean into and be led by the Holy Spirit. This is why we consider this an elementary teaching. It is so foundational for the Christian. 
So we're going to be using a, a video. It's something we have also been doing this series. We've been using videos from the Bible Project just to help illustrate some of these things. And uh, also just want to showcase them that it's a free resource. They have a whole YouTube channel, tons and tons of free videos. Um, unbelievable content that we've been using them in our life groups. So if, you, if you're in our life groups, you've seen some of these. But uh, they have one on the Holy Spirit. So we're going to check this out and uh, see what they have to say. And we'll, we'll talk through it. So check this out. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then above the chaos, God's spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but... What is God's spirit? Yeah, so the spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy, how so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right, wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. <sighs> So you feel that inside you? Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply, that too is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. Ruach. Everybody say that with me. Ruach. Ruach. Oh, good. I got you. I heard your throats in that. Good. Ruach. Okay, so this video, one of the, the main phrases that comes out of this video is they, they go out of their way to say that the Holy Spirit is God's personal presence. And I think this is a good way to think about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's personal presence because the Holy Spirit is personal. Holy Spirit is a personal being, just like Jesus, just like God the Father. The Holy Spirit is personal. And this is something that I think we, can be lost on us sometimes. And part of it's just the language we use, right? Even though the Bible refers to him as the Holy Spirit, it, it, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think unintentionally what that can mean for us, if we always refer to him as the Holy Spirit, we almost treat him like a thing. Or like he's just energy, Right? Energy describes him, but that he's not just energy. He's not just force. He's personal. He's a personal being. So for the sake of this morning, I might do this a little bit, but I want to encourage you just to think about it this way. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to refer to him sometimes as just Holy Spirit. I'm going to drop the the, right? Because that can be helpful for us just to get it into our mind, treat it more like a name as a personal being in our lives. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is with you. Holy Spirit is moving and active in the world. It's not necessary, but I think it can be really helpful. It's been really helpful for me to, to help me think about the Holy Spirit as being personal. So the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit all make up the Trinity. It's this, this uh, core Christian teaching. The Trinity is God is one. We believe in one God, yet somehow he also exists as three. That's how he's revealed himself to us in Scripture. Um, if you're ever curious, I love talking theology. So the word Trinity is not actually in scripture, but the concept is everywhere. We see God has revealed himself as one and as three. So we have the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. But again, think about it this way. Each one is holy, unequivocally, and completely God by themselves. 
So God the Father is holy and completely God. Jesus is holy and completely God, and so is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not one-third of God. We can't just divide them up that way. It's not how it works. So they are, they are each holy and completely God, which again, I want to emphasize this because that means the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is unequivocally holy and completely God. Just like Jesus, just like the Father. So there's some little bit of mental gymnastics that goes into trying to understand the Trinity, but that, that's the point that I want us to, to start with is that Holy Spirit is God. And Holy Spirit is the peace of God, the part of God, the person of God that lives in us. So we're going to continue to explore this in a little bit. So let's continue watching this video. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's Ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's Spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's Spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's Ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes, and the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up and God's spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. This story is saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's spirit. All right, there's a lot packed into this video. But again, we see the way that Holy Spirit has worked throughout God's story. He's all over the place. And it gave a few quick examples of what that looks like uh, with Joseph and Bezalel. If you don't know the story of Bezalel, I, I mean, I, I didn't really remember his name, but it talked about it. It's really cool that Holy Spirit literally empowered him to do creative things. It's pretty cool, right? Not just spiritual, not just, you know, some of the things that we typically think about the Holy Spirit, but, but literally to be creative and create some beauty for the tabernacle. So I want to point this out. The Holy Spirit has been just as involved throughout the course of history as the Father and as the Son. He's just as involved. He's there right from the beginning, page one of the Bible. He's hovering over the waters. He's there from the beginning. He's there to the end, all over the place. And I want to give a quick overview of some of the things that the Bible tells us about the Holy Spirit. So, so the video gave us a couple examples, but just sit back and, and look at this list. Um, 
and this is, this is not a complete list, okay? So um, there's a lot more here, but these are some of the ones that I picked. So the, the Spirit caused people to speak in tongues in the New Testament or other languages, other human languages. The Spirit teleported Philip. I don't know if you ever thought about it that way. It's one of the coolest things. I mean, I wish the Holy Spirit would do this more often. I want to be teleported. Just whisks Philip away. He, he baptizes this eunuch, and then the Spirit says, okay, you're done here, and just like pops him to a different location in the earth. Pretty cool. That's our God. The Spirit gave prophecies, literally words from God through real people to give and to encourage the church. The Spirit prevented Paul from going to certain places in his ministry. The Spirit compelled Paul where to go and even warned him what was going to come when he got there. And then there's some more general things that, that the Bible tells us about the Spirit. The Spirit convicts the world of sin. The Spirit guides us into all truth, teaches us. The Spirit sanctifies us. The Spirit produces fruit in us. The Spirit gives spiritual gift, gifts. You know that everybody has a spiritual gift? If you, if you believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit has given you a spiritual gift, at least one. So, one, that's cool. If you don't know what it is, we can talk more. Um, I want to help you walk in that. But we have all been given spiritual gifts, not just talents or skills. The Spirit speaks to, in, and through people. And you see how many references are, are there on the screen. He does it a lot. The Holy Spirit speaks to, in, and through us. The Spirit brings freedom, real freedom. The Spirit transforms us into the image of Christ. The Spirit teaches. The Spirit authored Scripture. Yes, real people wrote this down, but the Holy Spirit is the one who was behind it all, who inspired them. The Holy Spirit authored Scripture. The Spirit casts out demons. The Spirit reminds people of Jesus' teaching. You know that? I don't know if you've thought about this, but if you've been walking with Jesus, I guarantee you there's been a time in your life where maybe you didn't realize it was the Holy Spirit, but he brought something to the forefront of your mind, something from Scripture, something that Jesus taught. That's something that Holy Spirit does in our lives. He reminds us of Jesus' teaching, sometimes when we need it most. That's something he does. And again, this is not even a full list. So Holy Spirit is really active. He's worked all throughout Scripture, all throughout history, and he's, he's working now, too. He's working in and through us. At the end of this clip that we just watched, we see that, that Jesus breathed on his disciples, which is kind of cool. It's an interesting play on words, right? Because ruach could be used as breath or wind. And Jesus, in the act of breathing on them, unleashes the Holy Spirit and gives them the Holy Spirit. And since then... Every single person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit living within them. That is a promise from Scripture. Every single one of us who've put our faith in Christ. Ephesians 1.13. Um, it's a quick foretaste into our next series. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start a series through the whole book of Ephesians. So it's a little bit of a foretaste. I'm really looking forward to that series. But in this, Paul writes, he says, And you also were included in Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of, of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When you believe, you are marked with the Holy Spirit. It's given to you. He lives in you. God literally lives in you. And the interesting thing is that Jesus knew this. Like, this was always God's plan. Jesus knew this. And at some point in his ministry, he tells his disciples in John 16, 7, he tells them this. 
He says, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. He's talking again about, he knows that the, the cross is coming up. He knows that he's going to ascend into heaven after the resurrection. He knows he's going to leave. He says, it's for your sake that I am leaving, that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, or the advocate, that's the, another word for the Holy Spirit, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus knew this was going to happen. And when he ascends into heaven, right before he ascends into heaven, he gives the Holy Spirit to his church to his followers. And I want to give a side note on this because I don't know if you've ever thought about this. This is something I think about every once in a while. Sometimes I think that the disciples were at an advantage because they got to walk with Jesus. They got to see him do miracles. They got to hear his teachings from his mouth. And sometimes I think, man, it would have been so cool and so amazing just to be one of the disciples because it would have been so much easier to believe. Well, you realize that they were not actually at an advantage because even though that they were walking with Jesus, Jesus was in front of them, he was not in them. You and I, we have God living inside of us. Isn't that amazing? We're not at a disadvantage just because we live 2,000-ish years later. God's presence is so close to us and it's even closer than it was with the disciples. They didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them yet. They had God in front of them. They didn't have him within them yet. The Holy Spirit is not a consolation prize. If you think about it that way, right? Sometimes we're like, okay, well, yeah, we don't get Jesus face to face, but I guess we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not a consolation prize. He is the prize. He was the point from the beginning so that God could live in us, empower us, and reshape us and mold us into people that look like Jesus, that live the way that we were intended to, in obedience and in a perfect relationship with our Father in heaven. And the Holy Spirit is not done working. I think that's the coolest thing. We looked at all these examples. Holy Spirit is still working. He's still doing these things. And this is why it's so problematic if we forget about him or ignore him. So let's, la let's watch the, the last part of this video. And so today, the Spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving Spirit. Yeah, that last clip was pretty short. But again, what does this mean for us today? The Holy Spirit is in us, is working in us. He's shaping us and molding us and empowering us to truly fulfill the whole point of the Old Testament too, to love God and to love others. We cannot do that without Holy Spirit living in us. It's impossible. The Spirit is here to finish the job. He's here to finish the work of the cross. The work of the cross is done. The Holy Spirit's here to finish it in us and in the world. So the first thing first is, I mean, what does this look like for us today? Really, that's the question that I want to finish with. What does this look like for us today, especially in the world that we're living in now? Well, the first thing is first is that we need to be people of the Spirit. I want you to think about this phrase. We need to be people of the Spirit, period. The Holy Spirit should characterize our life. We should be known as people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Because all throughout Scripture, especially the book of Acts, I'll say this, if you haven't read the book of Acts, or at least if you haven't, even, if, even if you haven't read it recently, I would encourage you to go back and read the book of Acts. You know, the full, the full book title is, is most commonly called the Acts of the Apostles. So it's like right after Jesus ascended into heaven, that book records 
what, what God did through his earliest disciples and through the early church. But we can call it the acts of the Holy Spirit just as much because the Holy Spirit is everywhere in that book. And constantly we see it, this book refer to Jesus' followers as being filled with the Spirit or being full of the Spirit. We'd see these phrases like, full of the Spirit, Stephen was praising God and, and asking him to forgive the people that were in the process of murdering him. He did that not of his own strength, but full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. Barnabas is someone that, that is a, a, that's an amazing, amazing figure in Scripture. We don't know a whole lot about him, but he did so much for the early church. And he was full of the Spirit. And through, through the power of the Spirit, he led so many people to come to know Christ. We need to be full of the Spirit. That should be our standard. That should be our goal. When someone looks at you, they should be able to say, oh, wow, there's, someone, there's something so different about that person. I, I don't know how to put my finger on it. And for, for believers, we, sh- we should know what it is. We should look at our fellow believers and say, wow, you are so full of the Spirit. I can see the Spirit's influence on your life. That should be our goal. Because the world that we live in needs people who are full of the Holy Spirit. That's what this world needs. For Christians to make any difference today, we have to be led by the Spirit. I'm convinced of this. If we want to make any kind of difference, it's not just about being nice. It's not just about saying the ni- nice things or being good neighbors. It's not just about those things. It's about being led by the Spirit so that God can lead us and move his kingdom forward through us. Because God isn't interested in just making us good people, quote-unquote. God isn't interested in saving the world and bringing more sons and daughters home to him. That's what this world needs. And you think about it, there's an alternative. If we're not led by the Spirit, what are we going to be led by? We're going to be led by our own motives, our own ideas, our own creativity, our own strength. That's not going to cut it. It's not going to do much. Like, I mean, I can do some, some cool things, but like, it's, it's not going to make a big difference in the world. Politics will not fix the problems of, the, of this world. It's just not. We should, I mean, as a country, we should seek to have good politics, but we can't put our hope there because it's not going to fix the world. It's not going to fix the racial issues or the hatred in people's hearts. It's not going to fix that. Modern medicine is not going to fix disease. It's not going to fix the coronavirus. We can mitigate it. We can work towards something, but it's not going to heal disease. Only God can do that. So the underlying issue that plagues this world is not some of these other things that, we've, that we're facing in the world right now. The underlying issue is sin. We live in a broken world because of sin. You saw in that one of those video clips that people have inherently given into evil. We've given into hatred. We've given into the, the flesh, as the Bible puts it. We've given in to that. And that is what has wrecked havoc, wreaked havoc on the world. That's the underlying issue that needs to be fixed. And that's what Holy Spirit is doing. Holy Spirit works on fixing our sin problem. I mean, I mean how many of you know, Jesus took care of sin on the cross 2,000 years ago. It's done. But we live in this, this awkward time where we can be pure in God's eyes, we can be fully justified, fully redeemed, yet we can still struggle with sin. Again, Jesus completed the work, or he finished, I mean, 
It's so hard to think about some of this stuff. <laughs> Jesus started the work. He died for our sin once and for all. He defeated sin and death, but the Holy Spirit is the one that applies it to our life. There's still work to be done. I'm not perfect. I st- my sin still needs to be dealt with. That's what Holy Spirit does. So even though that the war has been decided, the battle still goes on. Think about it that way. Uh, I love this analogy. <clears throat> Back before technology and like instant communication, when wars happened, if a war finished and was completely decided and won, if a country surrendered or something like that, like people on the battlefield didn't know right away. The battles continued on for maybe weeks. It happened during uh, the Revolutionary War. It happened dur- during the Civil War. I mean, it happened. And I think that that kind of, I mean, granted, it's been going a long time, 2,000 years, but, but Jesus won the war on the cross. And we're just in the battle zone that's still continue on. It's done. Jesus has won, but the Holy Spirit is still fighting on our behalf. But again, only God can fix this world. This world does not need Alex. doesn't need Brian. doesn't even need Rock Creek Church. doesn't need a new president. It doesn't need new policies. What this world truly needs at a fundamental core level is God. Period. And God lives in us. I don't know if you think about that very often, but when you walk into a room, God is going into that room with you. And if you ignore the Holy Spirit, if you forget about the Holy Spirit, you forget that you are literally bringing God's presence wherever you go. And he can work miracles whenever he wants. We need to remember the Holy Spirit. And I think this is one of the more fundamental problems in the church today. I think I'm just convinced that, that most Christians have either forgotten about the Holy Spirit or we neglect the Holy Spirit. And this isn't something we do on purpose, right? I fall into this camp too. I struggle with this because I think, again, it's so much easier on a logical level to understand God the Father or Jesus than it is to understand the Holy Spirit. And honestly, when we read about the Holy Spirit in Scripture, some of the weirdest things in the Bible are attributed to him. <laughs> so... We look at some of these weird things and we're like, oh, okay, that's a little too weird for me. I don't want to go down that path. But why? Seriously. Someone asked me this question uh, a few years ago and it's stuck with me ever since. It's like, why do you judge whether something's from God because it's weird or not? If something's weird, it does not mean that it's not from God. <laughs> In fact, it might be a sign that it is from God. Because these things are supernatural, right? We judge things based on whether they're weird or not, whether it's natural or not. But if something is supernatural, it probably should be weird or it should feel weird to us. Side note, sorry, tangent. Um, but like I said, I feel, this is something that I wrestle with too because I think in a lot of our churches, Holy Spirit is not emphasized enough. It's true. No church is perfect, no person's perfect but this is something we need to lean into more as a church and as individuals. Because otherwise, we find ourselves every week going to church and we don't think about the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives on a daily basis. So we need to shift. And I want to say this, wherever you're at, I know some of you may not have any clue of what does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit. And some of you have, are, are very strong in your faith and you kind of know what it means to be led by the Spirit. But we need to shift. Wherever we're at, I want to call each and every one of us to lean more into the Holy Spirit. We need to lean more into the Holy Spirit because, again, there's an alternative. If we're not leaning into the Holy Spirit, 
we're leaning away. So let's lean into the Holy Spirit, even if it's weird, even if it's uncomfortable. So I want to end with, with essentially five things for us to be thinking about, for us to do, to lean more into the Holy Spirit. Number one is to learn about the Holy Spirit. It's kind of what we've been doing this morning. The more that you learn about Holy Spirit, the more that you learn about who he is and how he works, the more you understand how you can interact with him. Does that make sense? We're scratching the surface this morning. These are just a few details. There's a lot more. (laughs) But the more that you lean in, the more that you learn, the more that you, you study and hear about the Holy Spirit, the more you understand how to interact with him. Because we need to actually interact with him. Number two, pray to the Holy Spirit and listen for his voice. How many of you actually pray to the Holy Spirit in your personal prayer time? A few hands. I've been trying to get in the habit of, of doing it more. I've tried to get in the habit more in the last several years, but, but still, I, it's so easy to forget. But this is something we can do that helps because you can pray to the Holy Spirit just as much as you pray to Jesus or the Father. All God, right? Trinity. But there are things about each person of the Trinity that... Uh, here's some more theology for you. Uh, each person of the Trinity is actively involved in every work of God, period, Right? So Jesus, even though he is the one who died on the cross, we ascribe that event to Jesus, the Son. God the Father and God the Holy Spirit were involved at the same time, though. So even though each person is intimately involved in every work of God, we do ascribe certain things to each person. So Holy Spirit who lives in you, we ascribe certain things to the work of the Holy Spirit. So when you pray to God for things that that make sense in light of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does, pray to the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge him. That will change the way you think and it will change the way you're understanding knowing that you're praying to God who lives in you. But then on top of that, listen to his voice. And that's hard because, again, I don't know about you, I've never personally heard an audible voice from God. I've never heard a voice just come down from heaven and just overwhelm me. Okay, that's not my experience. Some people have experienced that. I have not. But the Holy Spirit still speaks to me. And it's something that I have to learn how to hear his voice. I need to learn what his voice sounds like. So the more that you actively try to submit yourself to Holy Spirit and listen for his voice, the better you will get at acknowledging it. That can look different for a lot of people, right? But again, think about this. Scripture is done. This, this, this was finished. This is completed roughly 2,000 years ago. We're not adding more books to this. God spoke through Scripture. He still speaks through Scripture. But, again, the Holy Spirit is still speaking today. The Holy Spirit spoke when he wrote Scripture. He still speaks to us individually. The the Bible makes a great... This is our standard. The Bible's our standard. When we hear something or when we think we hear something from God, we got to test it up against Scripture because God will never say anything that contradicts this book. Ever. But God will still speak to you. Holy Spirit will still speak to you in specific ways. You know, sometimes it might be a little bit of a nugget. For me, sometimes it's a, it's a compulsion to, to say something to someone. And I'll, this is how I think about it. 
So if this is helpful for you, that's great. I think the Holy Spirit speaks to each, each of us a little bit differently. But for me, I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to me when I, a thought is dropped into my mind of either a name or something I should do or something I should say. Just like, it's almost like an, my imagination just runs. Like, oh, it'd be really cool if I did this and this and this. And then immediately after, my mind will come in and be like, oh, no, 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 that's, not, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. I've gotten used to it. Because the more I recognize it, the more that I listen, the more I'm realizing, whoa, that first voice is not mine. The second one, the reactive one, is mine. Those are my thoughts. So I've been, I've been getting used to listening to that. And so when, when someone drops a name in my mind or maybe an idea in my mind, if I'm quick to resist it, I start to slow down. I'm like, okay, is this you, Holy Spirit? Is this you, God, speaking to me? And again, i got to test it against Scripture, especially if it's questionable. But more often than not, it's a name of someone who probably needs encouragement. And the Holy Spirit might be just trying to get my attention, just dropping a name. It's like, hey, reach out to this person. That might be as, as minuscule as it could be. So that's one way that the Holy Spirit speaks to me. But again, we see all throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit spoke to people, spoke to other people through people. I mean, how often do you go into, I don't know, some kind of, meeting or a family event or you're meeting with friends or neighbors, how often do you go into a relationship praying and thinking, okay, God, Holy Spirit, do you have a word for this person? Do you want to say something to them through me? I think the more that we ask him that, the more that we pray that, we might actually hear something. I've been trying to pray that more. I don't always hear everything. Actually, rarely do I hear something very specific, but sometimes, every once in a while, a word will pop into my brain or an event or something, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go out on a limb and try it. There's been a few times where I've gotten that response from someone else, like, oh my gosh, you have no idea how much that means to me. I needed to hear that right now. But the only way that I'm able to hear that voice is if I open myself up to it. So pray to the Holy Spirit. Learn to listen. This, this third one is very similar. Submit to the Spirit's leading. This depends on the, on the one before it. Like, we have to actually pray to the Holy Spirit and listen, but we also need to submit. And this seems obvious, but I want to make a distinction between actively submitting and passively submitting. So passively submitting is kind of where Teddy's at right now in his childhood development. <laughs> he will listen more often than not when we tell him specifically to do something. More often than not, he'll listen. If we're like, hey, Teddy, you know, throw that in the trash. Pretty quickly, he'll pick it up and go take it to the trash. But there's so many times where we, we try to establish general rules where he should know by now that he's not supposed to do something or we should, he should know by now that he's supposed to clean up his toys, right? Obviously, he's a, he's a toddler, so <laughs> we get frustrated sometimes. But, but active listening is, or actively submitting is constantly putting yourself in that position, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want from me? Where, where are you leading me? What are you trying to say to me? What do you want me to do throughout my day? It's this active posture of coming, expecting him to lead you and being prepared to follow no matter what. Because I think for, for Christians, it's really easy for us to be like, okay, God, if you, if you tell me to do something and you make it really clear, I'll do it. Well, yeah, if, if God's going to give that booming voice from heaven, you're going to do what he says. But that's not God's heart. God doesn't want to just constantly slap you over, over the head and say, just get your act together. He doesn't want to do that. So we need to actively listen. 
continually bring ourselves before the Holy Spirit and expect him to speak, expect him to lead, and be prepared to do whatever he says. Number four, go out, go out on a limb and ask him for the miraculous. I think too often we stray away from praying for miracles. And there, there may be a lot of reasons for this. I mean, I for one have certainly prayed for miracles and have not seen them. I've been a part of countless prayers for, for someone's specific healing and haven't seen it. Does that mean I should stop praying for healing? Absolutely not. We're told in Scripture to, to lay hands on people when they're sick and pray for healing. So whatever your reason is, I know it, it's common, it's easy for us to shy away from praying for real miracles. But I want to encourage you, go out on a limb, keep praying for miracles. Or pray for them for the first time. It could look like a lot of different things. Um, but I want to point this out because I think some of us, like I said, some of us stray away because we haven't seen the fruit of it necessarily. But as a reminder, God is personal. Holy Spirit is personal. It's not just this force or energy that you get to control. So when you pray for a miracle, you don't just get to boss Holy Spirit around and tell him what to do. That's not how it works. The way it works is that Holy Spirit is personal he is working. He wants to work. He wants to do things. And if you are tapped into his voice, if you are listening, and if you are willing to obey, you may find yourself in a position where he wants to do a miracle through you, and you'll be ready. See the difference? I mean, we've seen some of these things be abused in the world. We've seen um, some of those televangelist-type figures that seem to just command and do whatever the heck they want, and it can be abused. I get that, and that, that makes things uncomfortable. But again... That's because we see that as, man, that person thinks that they can just boss God around or just harness this power whenever they want. But for us as Christians, God will do miracles through us, but it's not on our own terms. It's not on our will. It's on his. But he will do those things. So I want to encourage you, as you listen, as you lean in, go out on a limb, pray for miracles. If he says no, he says no. It's fine. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But there may be a very specific time where you feel like, okay, God, you're telling me to lay hands on this person and pray for their healing. I'm going to do it. You never know what you'll see. Because again, we, we, have a, we have a role to play in miracles. Every miracle that you see in Scripture, specifically things like healing or speaking in tongues, I mean, those are the ones that we tend to think about being the, the craziest and the weirdest. They happen because people do something. They respond. Healing happens because disciples of Jesus lay their hands on someone and pray for the healing. We have a role to play. So I want to encourage you, don't shy away from that. Go out on a limb. But on top of that, the miraculous, I want to emphasize this too, the, the miraculous is not just those things like healing or speaking in tongues or you know the, the really big supernatural things. A sinner coming to repentance is in itself a miracle. And I would say it's the biggest miracle. It's the most important miracle because how many of you know, we cannot come to faith in Christ on our own will. You do not believe because it made sense to you and your superior reason and logic. That's not why you believe. You believe because the Holy Spirit softened your heart. God drew you. 
He enabled your faith. Faith in and of itself is a gift from God. Right? And again, if you want to get into theological conversations, I love it. I mean, there's these, if you've ever heard of the debate between Calvinism and Arminianism, um, some of you might be questioning that right now. That's fine. I love having that conversation, but both of those camps believe that the Holy Spirit has to be involved first. So, just to emphasize that, like if some of you are thinking, oh, hey, hold on, I don't know if I believe that. Even Arminianism, that camp over there, believes that the Holy Spirit has to be involved first. It's in Scripture. So that's a miracle. So we should be praying for miracles on a, a daily basis for our loved ones, the people that we come in contact with. Pray for them to come to faith, to know God, to be brought home as a son or a daughter of God. And lastly, I'll give you a bonus one, number five. This is a bonus. Because it's a negative, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. It simply just means don't be part of the problem, right? First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22, Paul says this. He says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. If the Bible says do not quench the spirit, that means that you can quench the spirit. That's what it means. You are able to resist God, even if he's living inside you. You are able to resist. So don't. Don't resist. Don't quench the the work of the spirit in your life. So I want to ask you that question. Are you, is any aspect of your life quenching the Holy Spirit. It could be some kind of recurring sin that you haven't dealt with yet. It could be your attitude of, oh, that's too weird. I don't want to get into that. It could be you just being like, oh, I just want to live my life how I want to live it. God enhances my life, but I'm just going to do things the way I want to do it. All of those things quench the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit when we forget about him, when we neglect him, when we don't listen to his voice, when we don't obey or when we dismiss his works because they're too weird. Like those, are, those are all ways that we quench the Holy Spirit. And just like a fire, when a fire goes out, it's hard to rekindle it again. It's hard to get it started again. Not, it's not impossible, but I'm saying if you, if you haven't been in an active relationship with Holy Spirit, I mean, he, he, he always lives in, in you, but if you have not, not been actively interacting with him for a while, it might be kind of hard to start. So don't be discouraged if you pray and you ask and you listen and nothing, you don't hear anything right away. Don't be discouraged by that. But again, make it a point to, to get rid of anything that might be quenching the Holy Spirit's influence in your life because the world needs the Holy Spirit in you. It doesn't need you. It needs the Holy Spirit. It needs God. So finally, I just want to ask you these questions to to leave with, to do some self-reflection. Are you well acquainted with Holy Spirit? Are you well acquainted with him? Do you know his voice? Are you regularly seeking his guidance and his leadership in your life? Are you truly led by the Holy Spirit? Wrestle with those questions. Leave in some self-reflection because it's something we're called to. We're called to, to reflect on ourselves as Christians.
But if the answer is no to any of those questions, I also want to, to preface this and say, don't, don't fall into guilt or shame because that's not God's heart for you. God doesn't want you to just wallow in the fact of how bad you are. He knows you're bad. <laughs> Again, if you have kids, you know this. Like, as a parent, like, I, don't wanna, I don't want Teddy just to know. I don't want him to dwell on the fact that he is wrong or bad or he did something. I don't want him to sit there. I want him to start taking steps in the right direction and know that he is loved in the process. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. If, if you have been ignoring the Holy Spirit, don't fall into shame or guilt. Just know that you have a starting place. You have a starting point to move in a new direction. And you don't have to do it alone because we're collectively here as a church. Rock Creek Church, we're a body, we are a family. We do this stuff together. So the staff, the elders, anybody else in this, in this room who's experienced some of the crazy things that the Holy Spirit has to offer, we will walk with you. We'll help you understand. We'll, we'll help you to interact with him. We do this together. Because again, the world needs people who are led by the Holy Spirit. That's what this world needs. People who know God's voice. So may, may we, people in this room, people watching online as Rock Creek Church, May we be known as people who are full of the Holy Spirit. So let me pray, and we'll continue in worship. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your master plan, the fact that you planned it in such a way that you would live in us. Holy Spirit, thank you for who you are as a gift to us in our life. Would you empower us and enable us to follow your guiding, your, your leadership in our lives. Help us to hear your voice and to know it intimately, that we wouldn't miss out on the work that you want to do in us and through us, that we wouldn't miss out on the amazing things that you want to do to bring your kingdom here to this world. So we thank you so much for who you are. Please continue to teach us, to make us holy, to encourage us, to counsel us and lead us. We thank you so much for who you are, God. And we give you the rest of this morning and this day. In Jesus' name, amen.